having to memorize a, a definition, but I've never really understood what it meant. I don't know if you really ever pondered them. The, the, the basic ones you think of first, easy. But this is the one, it's uh, verse 7, chapter 20, right, says, and this is not the King James, obviously, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. In the King James, right, it's, thou shalt not use the Lord thy God's name in vain, you know, and something along those lines. And I've always, you know, thought, well, that's really the easiest commandment, right? In the easy ones, like, I don't know if you guys went through a cussing uh, uh, time in your life where cussing was sort of fun or thrilling or whatever. But one of the things that I've, as I've gotten older, I am really offended by people using Jesus' name in a bad way. So I don't know when you stub your toe what you say, but I realize that it really helps me to have something to say. So I think of ridiculous things to say. And one, you know, I love to say some of the old uh, uh, TV ones, golly, dadgum, you know, just something to keep you from, from saying a curse. But I mean, this is really funny. Maybe I'm getting sentimental here, but I cannot say Jesus in a negative way. I just can't. You know, it's like, it's such a beautiful name and it means so much to me that at some point now, when my family uses Jesus Christ as a, a in vain, it really offends me. I mean, I want to go up to him and go, hey, don't do that. You, you're messing with fire here. You know, it's like, and, and, and then, you know, how about using God in, in, a, in a curse word? You, you know, God bless you. You know, no, it's like there's some other words that we throw out there. It's like, I would make, you want to take some advice from a pastor, stop it. You know, that is not appropriate in your language, and it's easy enough to fix. Come up with a word for stubbing your toe, because you're going to have to say something, right, guys? So at least make it something really ridiculous that you all probably don't remember. Remember Mary Poppins' word, do you remember? Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, right? But it's like, that's a little too long. But you know, you've got to come up with something nonsensical to avoid. I think it's real that we have feelings, and we're in pain, but I don't think you want those three throwing Jesus' name down there. So now that I've said that to you, let me tell you that that's only this much of the meaning of that verse. And the more I started researching, the more condemned, not condemned, convicted I felt about how I totally didn't get it. I, I somehow I got to my age, and I don't think I really understand what the authors were trying to say about what would be the vain thing or the misuse of God's name. And there's a way bigger picture here, right? That's the small stuff, cursing. And believe me, you should fix that. No question about it. I would even challenge you when someone cusses in Jesus' name or God's name, you might mention to them that that's my Savior you're stomping on, you know, right now. But let's move on to the bigger stuff, right? The thing or things really matter. And, and so I found in Hebrews a verse, uh, set of verses that I feel help explain a little bit how we're supposed to deal with this. Beginning in verse 19 of Hebrews, right? Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but in encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Let's pray. Lord, what blessed words these are, Lord. Help us apply them to our hearts. Help us see the formula for keeping your name the way it's meant to be kept. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. So I think it's real easy when you see the list of do, don't do this, don't do this, to kind of go, why is this number three? You know, why is it listed in there? Obviously, it's important if you, I mean, you know, remember, I think I told you a couple weeks ago, there's like 600 commandments in the Bible. 
you know, and a bunch of them, uh, 200 and something negative ones or whatever. This is a commandment, which means the author was trying to say this is a must. So these are the top 10, if you want to put them at the top of your list of no-nos or good things to do, whatever. Well, this one is one that I just kind of thought, well, I took care of the cussing problem. I don't say it much to Liz anyway. Now, it's like you've probably never heard me say that that way. But you know what? That's just a little smaller. I'm missing the point of this whole verse, guys. If we don't realize what, what God is really saying to us is misusing his name, we have a name that's called Christian, remember? And anything that misuses the name Christian misuses God's name. So when we represent ourselves in a poor way, you know, in a sense, we're sort of saying God is not real. God is not really in charge of my life. And this is really pretty darn frightening. I thought of one of the ones that always made me laugh, but in a sad sort of way, was back when Haiti had a hurricane a couple years ago, you might have remembered, and all kinds of damage and stuff. Somebody went on TV and said that it was a punishment against Haiti because they voted for Satan once, uh, you know, 50 years ago, 100 years ago. You know, it's pretty much got a lot of voodoo in Haiti and stuff, but it also has a lot of Catholic in Haiti too, and a lot of Christians. But it was just like... When he said that, or she, I just remember thinking, how dumb is that? You really think God is punishing all these innocent people because of some decision people made years ago? It's like, I don't think so. They said the same thing about New Orleans. Do you remember? You probably don't because it was long enough ago now. But they said, oh, it's God's punishment of New Orleans. You know, it's like that sin city. It was just a matter of time till God destroyed it like Sodom and Gomorrah. That's dumb talk. Stop it. You know, you're, you're giving God credit for something bad and evil in somebody's life. And it's like, I don't really know that God has anything to do with it at all, but certainly not anything negative. He is not punishing innocent people for the sins of the French Quarter. Or whatever. I don't even know what part of New Orleans is the most sinful. You know, probably Crowley, Louisiana, that's most sinful, right? But that, that's a joke. That's Samantha's hometown. But, but I really do think the whole of Louisiana, we could make up some story. Don't you think they're, they're like, there are people that thought last year Boy, that Houston got what it deserved for all that sin, you know, and, and stuff. It's like, that's ridiculous. Stop it. Don't give to God's name something that's not his doing. We had a girl years ago, and she didn't mean it, but she kind of went to this group, and they told her she had the gift of prophecy. So she decided everything she felt about people was God speaking to her to go tell them that what they're doing wrong with their life. And she actually had a criticism problem. There's smirks going on there. But she would go to a person, pull them inside, say, Ben, you know, God told me that you need to dye your hair because, you know, you're hellbound for the red hair. No, seriously, she'd say something like, you know, I just feel like you're being rude to people. And then the reaction was very negative. People get really angry at her and call her a hypocrite. And I, I felt like there was clearly not God speaking to her. She was using her feelings to hurt people in the name of Jesus. That is not spiritual, guys. That's breaking the commandment. When you give the name of God to something that's not right, you know what I mean? That's clearly not from God. Then I think that's the misuse we're talking about here. I, I feel like one of the tests you have to do is false prophets. There are many preachers, many, many that go around and say things that are just dumb, you know, wrong. And we can sit them down and go, this is really ridiculous what you just said. Every Christian should be rich. That's ridiculous. It never says that in the Bible. But, you know, we all go, oh, that sounds really cool. And people fall, fall for it. That's misusing God's name. Because you're saying something that God is not really, but you're telling everybody that God is inspired. So this is a pretty scary thing for preachers. We have to ask ourselves, are we speaking from me? Or is it really God encouraging me to speak? And so that's why we have seminary, to make sure we don't make stupid, theological, ridiculous statements. But I, I, I struggle with it all the time. You know how my sense of humor is. I have to get up every, day, every Sunday and say, Lord, 
you better help me say what you want to say and not what comes out of Max's mouth. Because sometimes this morning in Sunday school, I, I stuck my foot all the way up in my mouth in a totally innocent, pure heart. I called Carol an old thing. And I sure didn't mean to do it. But it's like, you know what? Men make mistakes. But it's different to like claim that God said that. You know, when you claim that, you're asking for some judgment on you if it's a lie. If you think about it, all this can be solved by what this author in Hebrews is saying. Because he's really, if you look at it, it's kind of interesting. The end of the argument is, basically, you have all this faith, you have all this hope, you have all this love. Now, remember what he says in the end, spur each other on to good and loving things. So what we're supposed to do with our tongue is turn it into, instead of something that misuses God's name, sort of an example of God would, would say. So instead of Max teasing you, he probably ought to be going, Sarah, you're an awesome woman of God. You know, it's like, I should be building you up as best I can in every way. Now, I may do that with teasing, for sure. But it's like, that's what we're supposed to be doing with Christ's name. Now, I'm confessing to you, Northgate has been a royal pain in the neck for the last few weeks, right? The traffic is maddening. I can't even get to the other side. I live two miles away. It took me 25 minutes to get home yesterday. I had to go all the way around to Texas the back way and, and, and go. And it's like, I'm losing my patience. Anybody else having that problem? It's like, get out of the way. You know, don't you know what lane you're supposed to be in? And so I went down the other day over by uh, IHOP. IHOP, no. What's a, the pancake place right down there? IHOP, okay. Yeah, you can't even get on that road now from the parking lot. You have to go all the way to Cross Street to even get out there. And then you can't turn because there's too many cars to cross. And it's like, this is ridiculous. What are they doing to me? I don't think I was being very Christ-like. I, I kept my windows closed, though. So at least, at least they did not hear what I was thinking. Now, you all, come on. I see some guilt out there, too, you guys. It's been really hard not to just, like, go drive across the mud, right, Tommy? Just go make your own road. Oh, that's really sinful. But, you know, it's like, I just think, I got to remember that on the back of my truck, it says Aggie Methodist. It says Wesley Foundation. Sort of implies Jesus, you know, a little bit. So it wouldn't take a whole lot for somebody to figure out that I'm a Christian or supposed to be. So every time you like are identified as a Christian and you're misusing God's name by your behavior, aren't you really kind of saying that I'm not really serious about this Christian thing? Someone told me one time that the biggest enemy to evangelism our culture is the lukewarm Christians in the middle that won't just flat out get off it and say, I'm for it. You know what I mean? I'm for Jesus, and I'm going to live like it and advertise it a little bit in your life. I don't even think you want to be an obnoxious Christian going around, you know, shoving a cross in everybody's face. But you know what? When we act one way and speak the other, we basically say our faith's not real. And so that's what this Bible verse is actually about, that the commandment's about living in a way that contradicts Jesus' name, you know, or God's name. And it's like, that sobers me up real quick. This is, our, this is the beauty here, right? Since we have such a wonderful confidence to enter the Holy of Holies, in, in the time behind the Holy of Holies was, in their mind, the presence of God. And so now, Jesus has taken away the veil, and then we can actually go there. So there's no reason that in your life, you can't go to God and say, hey, you know, I want to talk. I need to talk. I need help, Lord. I'm not living out my faith. I need grace. I need mercy. I need to serve other people. So we have total access. Think how hard it would be if you had to make an appointment with God to be heard. You know, it's like, what? can you imagine his appointment book? Yeah, I know. It'd be a little long. You know, it's like, of course, granted, he can do several at the same time, probably. But the point is, we get access to Jesus when we want it. When we're ready to talk, it's like, what a great gift is that to go into the world with? Then, since we have such a great high priest, I, I like the, the thought of this because, you know, I've never really thought of 
a priest being somebody I'd want to talk to, but when Jesus is my high priest, he's perfect man, has been tempted by all things, and he never sinned, and he's perfect God too. And so in our theology, he's the best priest there could ever be. There is no one that could be better, more helpful to you for, for living the Christian life, personal and caring about me. Remember last week we sang that song, it's like, he knows my name. You know, it's like it really has to hit me sometimes that Jesus knows who Max is and loves me as Max. You know, it's like, I'm not just one of his preachers. I'm a person that he knows and loves. And it's like, how much could you pay for that in your life? You know, how else could that ever happen? And then let us draw near boldly. I, I love this thought because I thought about how my grandkids greet me and stuff. Well, grandkids are coming on Saturday and we're all excited. They're four and eight, two da- granddaughters. And when they see me and, and Liz, there's none of this, grandparents are here. That's not what it's like at all. It's kind of like, Grandparents are here, you know, and it's like they're screaming and I'm yelling, my princesses, and they all come and they swarm us. It's very sweet, but it's like they come absolutely sure that I'm not going to drop kick them. They're sure. And they're, and they're, pretty, they're pretty sure that Opa's not going to go, hush, I need to say hi to your mother. That's not what happens. We ignore the adults and we're all over the kids, aren't we? It's like, oh, tell me. for And they're telling us all the stuff they're doing right now and, you know, cuddling and snuggling and, and running around and talking. It's all very exciting. I guess I thought about, can you, how do you think about it when it's time to come to God? Do you think of, oh, I need to go see the Father now. You know, I'm going to go see, I'm going to see Father, you know. Or do you kind of go, man, I need to go to worship because I need to be with Jesus for a while. You know, I need a little Jesus time. We're supposed to be like excited, right? This is our opportunity. We got the best high priest. We have total access, right? And now he's saying, let's draw near. How dumb would it be to try to be the Christian person you're meant to be, but you don't really want to crawl up in God's lap and go, help. You know, I love you, dad, or I love you, you know? It's like, to me, that would be ridiculous, wouldn't it? It's just like, those grandkids, uh, seriously, they just throw themselves at you and scream like it's the first time they've ever seen you, you know, or not the first time. You know, first time in a long time, and they're that excited. It's pretty cool. Well, that's probably the closest thing I could think of about how God wants us to come to him all the time, just ready, waiting for, come on, Grace, come on down. You know, it's like, I want to see you again, you know, kind of stuff. It's interesting. And then the last part is like, let us hold swervingly to the hope we profess. This is important, and I didn't realize this too much until this year, but if you don't have hope, then there's a lot of brave stuff you just won't do. If you don't have hope that God can help you or fix you, you won't even come because you'll be sitting there going, I'm afraid. You know, I'm afraid that he'll reject me or that I'm not living up to the standard. It's like, that's not what he's saying. The author is not saying, you failed, don't bother trying again. He's saying just the opposite. We've got total access. How crazy would it be not to come, right? Let's have hope here that things will be better, that I'll be more patient. So I guess what I'm saying with my patience problem, I got to ask God, it's like, okay, Lord, I know this is only going to go on for a while. Help me be patient with people who don't know where they're going. Help me be patient with the tech stop workers. You know, patient with the, they're building the sidewalks to be safer for you guys, but it's driving me mad, you know, in between. But, you know, it's like, I really do feel like we have to get back into God and go, okay, let's stay with the hope that God can get us through even this. And this is small stuff compared to the big things in life. It was interesting in our culture, you know, a couple hundred years ago, there was an attitude, and a lot of people have criticized it now. You know, when they first settled in the East, they just decided that they were going to settle west. And people just picked up their houses and moved west. You know, and I, I think that's really bold. I don't know if you guys would have done it. I probably would have stayed in Pennsylvania. You know, it's like I'm not really sure I would have picked up my wagon. You know, David Crockett was one of them. He would just go on these adventures, you know, and just kind of leave his family. 
and stuff, and they'd go and they'd get killed, and they'd be, you know, all kinds of horrible things would happen. A lot of them survived, but I mean, it took a while, but slowly they went across the entire country until we were sort of a country. They called it, they had a word for it, what did they call it? What was it again? Manifest destiny. But that's what the common people just sort of thought. It's our destiny to take... Of course, the Native Americans disagree. You know, but it's like somehow that kind of hope got to where they were taken over. Well, I think, drop the illustration to go, we're supposed to have hope. God is winning, right? God is going to make... He's going to win in our personal lives. We're going to get to where we're better uh, examples of what Christians should be. And in the end, God wins. And we know that. But do we act like we have that hope? Are we driving ourselves to be better all the time, to not be so impatient? You know, it's like, in my life, it's this, every time I seem to get a little patient, God gives me another test to see how I'm doing. Kind of like class, isn't it? You just get another test, you know. One more to see how much you've learned this time. So let's go back to the meat of it. Let's consider how to spur one another. So now he's jumped from faith, hope, and love. Now he's like, you got all three. Don't be dummies. Do it right? Learn how to spur each other on. What I've discovered about the church is we have lots of people that are bitter and will tell you and complain and they'll tell you what's wrong. How many people encourage with our words, spur each other to do better? Say, we have a work project this weekend. You should go on the work project with me. Sort of spur people to do greater things than they're doing, to try harder, to be in more Bible studies. Instead, we criticize. I don't really like the music. You know, where it's like, you know, I don't know, that preacher, you know, he just is so crazy. You know, it's like uh, one year, no, no lie about this, we, we took our choir then down to a church in Missouri City or somewhere down there anyway, and we, we went to this beautiful service, and the, they did well, and the congregation loved us. And I'll never forget it, because back then I would put on a sports coat and a suit or something and have a tie on, and I've kind of given up on the tie thing now mostly. But, you know, I, I had a tie, but I, I like color. You probably noticed that about me. I like colors. And I got a big Looney Tunes tie. And I think it was Tigger. I'm not really sure. But it was all inside my coat. And, and <laughs> What? Oh, sorry. What did I say? Oh, you're right. Looney Tunes. You're right. Anyway, whatever it was, I do both. I do both if they were bright colors, you know. And it wasn't tacky or anything like that. But I'll never forget because the little old lady, you know, the church is all happy and everybody loved the choir. And young people in church was all like that, like it is now. And then a little old lady came up to me and she said, could I talk to you? And she came up and so I kind of turned the mic off and I went over and she said, I just want you to know, oh, that's Tigger on the tie. I just want you to know I couldn't worship at all because I kept being distracted by your tie. And I was like, you missed all these wonderful young people, the message and everything else in worship because of my tie? You know, it's like I didn't even need to have a tie on as far as I was concerned. But anyway, that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. When That's misusing God's name when we're so picky that we don't get the main point because we're so stuck on these stupid little things. So how do you, how do you keep from being that way? I, I like this. It says, let's meet together, encourage each other, remind each other that God's doing great things in our lives. Sometimes you just can't see it. Well, now I'm going to make fun of cologne too. I use aftershave. I confess, every day I shave and every day I put on aftershave unless for some reason this doesn't want me to. But I do it because I pay attention to smell a lot. And so I really smell people. Which I know that sounds really queer, uh, queer. Is that the wrong word? But anyway, it's odd. Thank you. Odd. And it's like, I'm just, I got a big nose and I smell, you know. And so it's like, I notice. So if you come around me and you're all stinky, I'm going to probably point it out to you that I'm tired of this. You know, it's like, put on some shampoo or something. You know, it's like, but, you know. I really afraid there's a Bible verse that talks about the aroma of Christ. And it's the best way to sort of illustrate 
You know, when you're around, I'm going to talk about you girls now, okay? There are some perfumes that just sort of melt me. You know, it's like when I smell them, I'm like, oh, gosh, they're pretty. You know, it's like, I know eyes are supposed to tell you what's pretty, but to me, my nose tells me pretty too. You know, it's like, and I, I have pretty smells. And as there's things that just really attract, and then there's things that really repulse, right? Hypocrisy in our Christian life repulses people to Christ. That's misusing God's name. So when you smell so great that people kind of like, ah, Liz uses, uh, I forgot, Chanel number no. fives once in a while. That's one of my favorites. And there's something about that smell that just makes you want to cuddle. You know what I mean? You guys are all smirking. Does anybody else smell stuff? I'm not the only one. Right? Okay, I really do. Well, think of it this way. If you're a Christian, you're supposed to have an aroma about you that people go, look at Tommy. He may not smell good, but he, he looks like a Christian and acts like it. That doesn't mean you're perfect. No way. I don't think that's what we're talking about at all. We're talking about a person who clearly puts Christ in their life first. It becomes almost irresistible. It really does. So you laugh. True story about being a preacher. When you're a preacher, you come home smelling all kinds of funny things. Because on Sunday morning, the little old ladies hug you. And they, they put on a lot of perfume. And sometimes I'll take my robe off when I get done. I'm like, whoa, who has hugged me? You know, I can, I can smell perfume on me. Think of it this way. God is using you to attract the world, not repulse the world, right? And so when we misuse Christ's name, we're basically pushing people away. And when we live our lives that way, like Christ wants us to, we attract people. We really do. It's a wonderful power in our life. I think it's really important that if you think about it, it's supposed to permeate every part of our life slowly, that we're supposed to be better and better at doing it for sure, but we're supposed to draw people to the truth in life. And it would be a horrible mistake to, to run them away, right? Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we thank you that uh, we uh, have more to do with attracting people. I don't know why you used us, Lord, but we pray that we would be effectively used to draw people, Lord, that we would smell so good that people would just automatically come and find out the grace and mercy that you offer. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.